Welcome to week number two in our series that we started last week on the book of James, and we're calling it a blueprint for making faith work, and uh, we're going through the book of James. It's not a very, very long book, but we're kind of taking it uh, section by section. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can follow along, obviously, and it's pretty much where Almost any English translation breaks down the passages uh, chapter by chapter in the book of James. Uh, Last week we kicked it off, we talked a little bit about James and who he was and uh, that sort of thing. And and specifically in that first part of chapter 1, James goes deep because this is a book that's real gritty, it's very earthy, it's very practical. In fact, sometimes it's been referred to as Proverbs of the New Testament. And, and we talked about trials and temptations. And here's one thing I know about God, is if you were here last week, you either faced some major temptations this week, or you, you, you went through some trials. Because that's just the way that it goes, as you're following after Jesus Christ, as I am as well. Uh, it, it seems like we hear about it, and then we have opportunity to put it into practice. And, and so we talked about that, and you can catch up online if you, if you missed out on that. Uh, but, but for this weekend, we want to continue uh, and pick up and sp- talk about listening and doing. Listening and doing. Uh, And that's the next section here in James chapter 1. And so uh, talking about listening and doing, I don't know why, maybe it's just this time of year, August, uh, a lot of the NFL football teams reported to camp uh, this week. And so uh, that's pretty much in my man cave upstairs in the outer regions of our home uh, where I'm banished to often. Uh, that our, My television is kind of stuck on the uh, NFL network. And so they, they cover everything. You know, the, uh, Tom Brady came out and he tied his shoes today and that was on, you know, and just like everything, like every little gritty, tiny, you know, you know thing. They're like, oh, look at that running back superstar. He patted his head from the sweat. It's just, uh, they find something to report all the time. And, and so it's just got me thinking about, because I coached high school football for 12 years, and actually it's three years now since I've coached uh, actively in high school, uh, but it's just something about this time of year that, that you, you, you are starting off and you're back to the basics and all that. And it kind of, as I'm preparing and praying and studying through uh, this particular section in James, the latter part of chapter one, it reminded me of coaching. And, and here's the reason why when you're coaching, uh, and, and by the way, parents, this will help you out. You know how as a parent, it feels like you never complete a sentence? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, whoa, whoa, wait, stop. I, I, I said, no, don't, no, no, because you're trying to say too much in a limited period of time. Coaches are great at just making it a succinct statement, very short, very precise, that gets the point across. And so when I was coaching football uh, for 12 years, uh, we had all these different statements. And, and some of this, if you know anything about football, you'll understand probably what these statements are talking about. Just real short, concise statements that really are teaching points or coaching points. Uh, here's one. Don't get beat on alignment. That was one. Don't get beat on alignment. Depending on where you line up on the field, you can actually put yourself in a vulnerable position where that next play, particularly on defense, that next play, they're going to score a touchdown because you just lined up wrong. Don't get beat on alignment. Here's another one. I coached quarterbacks uh, on offense and defensive backs and outside linebackers on defense and uh, catch the ball at the highest point. At the highest point. You, you, in football, you never let the ball come down to you. You go up and you get it. Or on defense, you go up and take it away. Or, or this one we used to always say, don't make a bad play worse. Don't make a bad play worse. If the quarterback, if he fumbled the snap, don't pick it up and try to throw a bomb. Fall on the ball. Because the worst thing you could do is pick up the fumble and throw an interception. Everything's kind of off uh, 
in terms of it's out of sync. Don't make a bad play worse. Um, it, blocking, we use this one. Don't pass one to get one. Don't pass by one of the other team players to go block your guy, and this guy ends up sacking a quarterback. This is one in coaching. We don't repeat this a lot. <laughs> but, but this is one coaches say to each other in the headsets. If you listen to the people in the stands, you'll soon be sitting with them. Everybody's an expert sitting in the stands. And as a coach, if you listen to those folks up there that are screaming and yelling, guess what? You're going to be out of a job really, really quick. And, and so I was thinking about some of these short, precise statements. And, and really, that's what James, in my opinion, he goes into in this latter part of chapter 1. As he talks about, and he's making really a, a big point here. And, and here's kind of the big idea for what we're looking at today is this. Listening to God's word is important. It is really important to listen to God's word, but it's even more important to do it. And that's the whole point that James is going to make here that we're going to look at right now. Listening to God's word is so important, but you know what? Just listening to it doesn't really benefit us nearly as much as doing it, as doing it. And so in this passage that we're going to cover uh, from verse 19 on through the last part of chapter 1, uh, I want to talk about four changes based on what we hear. F four changes that, that God, or four responses or actions that God wants us to take. And what I've tried to do is just boil these down to short statements that you can take with you. And hopefully this week when things are going on and, and you're faced with situations and, and opportunities and challenges, all this, maybe you'll think of some of these statements. Just repeat them to you, okay? Repeat them to yourself. So four changes based on what we hear in God's word, what we learn in God's word. Here's the first one. Slow down. Slow down. Sometimes we, we just need to slow down. We go at such a frantic pace. And James is going to say, you know what? As a follower of Christ, it's so important that we slow down. Let's look at what he says where we're supposed to slow down. We're picking up right where we left off uh, last week. James chapter 1, verse 19. James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Watch this. Slow to speak. Slow down. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, we talked about this verse a little bit a couple weeks ago, and we talked about love wins, uh, but, but I want to look at the next verse because it's pretty impactful and the wisdom that God gives the Apostle James. Look at this. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Wow. Human anger never produces the outcome that God wants to produce. Do you know what that says to me? Greg, every time you're angry, you're wrong. You're, you're, you're never going to get in God's will and his plan and purpose for your life if you do things out of anger. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And, and you know, for, for many of us as Christians, we just spend all day long being angry about everything. I've spent some days like that. And, and then I remember wait a minute, there's no way that I can be living today the way God wants me to because I'm angry. And, and so it says 
You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow down. Measure our words. Think about what we say before we say it. Or could I get real practical like James? Think about what we want to punch on our keyboard, keypad, before we hit enter. There have been more than one time that I've seen something, social media, whatever, and I'm like, man, I'm going to... And just before, I guess it's the gritted teeth or something, just, just, just before I hit enter, my wife Susie would go, hold on a minute, baby. Can I read what you're about to send or what you're about to post? And I'm like, never mind. Because I just know. I'm just, I'm just about to make a, a big mistake. Be slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Slow down. Slow down. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And, and, and I really understand, and you study through the book of James, I, I really understand why this is sometimes referred to, the book of James, as Proverbs for the New Testament. Let's look at what some of the Old Testament Proverbs, what it says about anger. Look at this, Proverbs 29, 11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. How about this one, Proverbs 17, 27. A truly wise person uses few words. Tries to be as succinct and as clear and as simple as possible. A person with understanding is even-tempered. And so, I've said this before, and I think maybe it bears repeating. You know, in this country, I'm so thankful for the United States of America, we have freedom of speech, freedom to express ourselves. But I gave all that up when I named Jesus Christ my Savior and Lord. As a Christian, I don't have the freedom to say what I want to say. I, I, don't, I don't have the freedom to express myself and just give vent to every thought that I have. Because the Bible makes it clear, I'm going to have to stand before God one day and give an account for every idle word. That's what the scripture says. I gave up that freedom. When I surrendered my life to God, I also surrendered my mouth to God. And that's what James is talking about. James is so practical. It's a blueprint for how faith works, how we're supposed to live. And so the first thing I think, if you just indulge me, Coach James would say to us, and he talks a lot about words, particularly we're going to get into James chapter 3. There's a lot said about it, the tongue. But the first coaching point is this, slow down. Just slow down. Think before you speak. Think about what you're going to say. Here, here's the second co coaching point James gives us. Put it away. Put it away. First he says slow down, and then he says put it away. Next verse, verse 21, it says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Get rid of it. Put it away. And humbly accept the word of God, accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. God's word has the power to change us, to transform us. And, and, and what James is making the point as God is speaking his very words to him, and he's writing these things, putting pen to parchment, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
He, he's saying, listen, put away all the filth. Now, it, it's pretty interesting. This word filth in the original language of the New Testament, do you know what it literally means? I, I was pretty surprised by this. I thought it filth meant like dirt. I, I thought it meant like yucky stuff. Literally what this word, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, it literally means obscene and offensive language or offensive material. <laughs> How about that? Get rid, of, get rid of all obscene language from your vocabulary. Get, get rid of all offensive material that you have around. Stuff that someone else would be offended if they saw that. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Why? Humbly accept the word God's planted in your hearts at the point that you receive Christ as your Savior. For it has the power to save your soul. The idea there is the transformation that begins to happen. See, here's the thing. We're going to find this over and over as we continue through the weeks in the book of James is this. If we have faith in God, do you know what's going to happen? Our lives are different. We just, we just can't stay the same. That when we put our faith in God, when we receive Christ's sacrifice for, for, for our personal sins, that he died in my place and in your place on the cross, not because he deserved it, because he lived a perfect life, but he sacrificed himself for your sins and my sins. And he rose again, Jesus did, three days later. And, and we receive forgiveness from God, not because of what I've done, because I haven't done anything good, but because of what Christ Jesus did. That word, the word of God is planted in our souls, in our heart. And what this, this filth and evil is referring to, it's like weeds in a garden. And, and, and what James is saying here is pull the weeds up. Those things that are choking out the life of God in your life, the, the, the life of God in your life, pull out those weeds. P pull out those offensive, obscene and off offensive language. Pull out those obscene and offensive materials that you have around. Stop looking at that. Stop doing that. And accept the word that God's planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So first James says, slow down, Christians. Think, slow down. Be slow to speak. Slow to get angry. And, and then he says, put away, the, put away the junk. Pull the weeds out of the garden so that the word of God can flourish and be fruitful in your life then here's the third thing coach james says to us real practical listen and live it listen and live it he, he, he says don't just listen to god's word go out and live it big difference look at what he says next verse verse 22 but don't just listen to god's word don't just in that fun don't just listen to god's word it's like so only those coaching points that I just shared, it was really negative. Don't make a bad play worse. Don't pass one to get one. Don't listen to God. Don't just listen to God's word. You must, look at this, do what it says. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Listening to, listen, I, I, I could be the greatest preacher in the history of the world, and I'm not. I'm not even close. But if I was, and if you came week after week after week, and you listened to the word being preached, guess what? It would not help you. Unless you began to move on it. Live it. 
Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just fill notebooks full of sermon notes. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word, look at this now, and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. How crazy would that be? Just, okay, good enough, move on for the rest of the day. It goes on and says, but if you look carefully, if you look deliberately, if you look deeply and intentionally, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And so this is a big point that, that James is making here. Don't just listen, listen and live it. Don't just learn what God's word says, live what God's word says. This is why so many times I like to put it this way. We don't need more believers. We need more behaviors. We don't need Bible study. We don't need to study the Bible. We need to let the Bible study us. To, to look at us and show us who we are and, and where we need to step up. Realizing we can't do it on our own, but God's given us his Holy Spirit. That's how we can be changed. And, and so... It kind of reminds me, uh, this whole idea, this analogy of, of this mirror, it, it reminds me back a few years ago, I've, I've been wearing glasses for uh, about uh, 10 years now, but there was a time in there, I was like, I've had it with these glasses, and so I got contacts, and, and I had contacts for, I think it was 11 months and three weeks, and the experiment was over, and I'll tell you why it was over. I went shopping one day at Kohl's. Hope you like Kohl's. Everybody like Kohl's, and you get those, you know, all the sales and all this stuff. And I, and I had a bad, bad experience at Kohl's. I was shopping one day at Kohl's. I think it was a Monday, a day off, and so I'm in the men's section, and my wife Susie's over in the women's section, and I was just doing my thing, looking at this, looking at that, and I looked up, and there was this creepy old man looking at me, just staring at me. I was like, whoa. I didn't think anything about it, and I just, I just went on shopping, went, went over to a different section, men's section, and I looked up, and this creepy old man is looking at me. And I'm like, I'll, t I'll tell you what. I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking down, and this is just all going through my head. I'm like, if I look up one more time, and that dude's staring at me, if he's staring at me, I'm going to call that guy out, because I'm not putting up with any of this stuff, you know. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And I looked up, and he was staring at me, and I was just about to start shouting, and I realized I was looking in a mirror. <laughs> and my eyesight was so bad with those contacts, I couldn't make my own self out. We got in the car, and I said, baby, it's time for me to get glasses, because I just, this contact thing is not working. But can you imagine that? I'm looking in the mirror, and I didn't even recognize myself. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. And, and, and the Bible says a lot of us as Christians act just like that. We just glance up at the word of God and we forget what we saw. We, we, we forget what we heard. We forget what we learned because we haven't lived it. And, and so... 
three, three mistakes that we make when we, when we hear a message like this or we hear a teacher or we're studying, you know, reading our, the Bible ourselves. Here's the first one, just getting a glimpse of ourselves. That's a mistake just to get a glimpse. That's a mistake. Casually reading the Bible will never reveal the deepest things that are in our hearts. It's like the difference between, could I put it this way, a picture on your phone and an x-ray. How many of you, if you went to the doctor and you had bones sticking out of your skin, and they're like, okay, let's get some pictures of that. Oh, great, I'm going to text this to my buddy. You don't know, I want an x-ray, man. I want you to go deep and show me what's going on in there. If we're just glimpsing at it, it's just like taking a, taking a selfie or something. Just a quick glimpse. Here's the second mistake that we make. Forgetting what we see. Forgetting what we see. This is one of the reasons why I think it's, it's, it's so important in, in our small groups, many of our small groups, our sermon discussion, because it's, a, it's hours later on a Sunday or later on the week or, or two weeks later, and you talk about it and you're like, oh, that's right. We, I did learn that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is in the Bible. Because we, so, it's so easy for us to forget that it goes in one ear and out the other. And if it doesn't, it doesn't change us. So we forget what we see. If we're, if we're looking deeply enough into our hearts, what we would see there is unforgettable. And what we'd also see as we look deeply in God's word and we allow it to look into our hearts, we'd also see God's heart and we'd see how much he wants us to become more like Jesus. Here's the third mistake that we make. Failing to obey what the word tells us to do. Failing to obey what the word tells us to do. In Luke chapter 11, verse 27, it's a pretty interesting situation that happens with Jesus one day. This is just remarkable. It doesn't take much explanation. We're just going to drop in on this, this event, this, this snapshot in Jesus' life. Absolutely amazing. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Look at what it says here. And Jesus was saying these things. He was teaching the people. And a woman in the crowd called out. Check this out. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. She's like, your mother must have been incredible because she gave birth to you. And look at what Jesus says. He replied, blessed rather. He's like, no, no, you're mistaken. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Wow. To, to, can I use a big word here? Put that statement in juxtaposition with, with the statement the woman made, blessing his mother Mary. And he's like, no, you know who's even more blessed than that? People who hear the word of God and obey it. They're more blessed than my mother who gave birth to me and nursed me. That blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. So James has already pointed out three very important changes that we made, we need to make in response to God's word. First, he says, slow down. Second, he says, put, aw- put it away. Third, he says, listen and live it. Now, here's the fourth one. Right off of Nike. Just do it. Just do it. Just do what God tells us to do in his word. 
Just do it. Coach James is coaching us up on how to live the life of faith. Live life the way that God wants us to. He says, just do it. Just do it. You know, sometimes <clears throat> when I was a coach, we, we, practice is all about going deep, analyzing everything, breaking it down, you know, just, just evaluating everything. But then right before a football game, right before kickoff, I'd pull my quarterback to the side and I'd say, listen, you got the practice, you got the plays, you got the reps. You know what I want you to do? Go out and have fun. Just play. Don't think about all this stuff. Just do it. Just do it. And that's what James tells us. And he gives us real three, three real practical areas to just go and live out our faith. Here's the first one. Control your tongue. He said, control your tongue. Just have control over it. Look at the next verse, James 1.26. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Ooh, all right, let's put that one on the refrigerator. If we can't control our words, James says, your religion is worthless. Worthless. And, and we're going to look at this in a much more detail when we get to James chapter 3, but, you know, there's a lot of ways that our words can discredit God. There, there's a lot of ways that the things that we say can really give God a bad name. Gossip. Anger outbursts, harsh criticism. Did, did you know that, that being critical is not a spiritual gift? It's not. It's not, in a, it's not a positive thing, criticizing people, complaining, judging. These are all symptoms of someone who can't control their tongue. Our, our words speak louder than our religious rituals do. Let me say that again. Our words speak louder than our religious rituals do or observances do. Faith is meaningless unless it leads to a changed life. It doesn't mean anything. And a changed life goes nowhere unless it ultimately serves other people. And how do we serve? What if we use our words to encourage, to lift up, to build up, to strengthen other people? Instead of tear them down, critique, be critical of them pull them down. Remember, back to verse 19 that we talked about, James chapter 1, let everyone be slow to speak. Be a person of few words that we control our tongues. We have to watch what we say and what we think before we say it. James explains religion in terms of practical service and also personal purity. Control our tongues is the first thing. Here's the second thing. Care for the unfortunate. We're supposed to care for the unfortunate. I think that's the best way to put it. Those that are unfortunate in our community. James 1.27, next verse, he goes on and says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. That, that's what pure and genuine religion is. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Just, just before earlier today, I got a message from someone in our church who have been praying for them. Great, great parents in the church. They have a couple kids. And, and they sent me a quick message and they said, hey, Greg, just want to let you know the adoption of our other two kids is final today. They're ours. 
parents that just, they had two kids, and you know what? They realized, we just have a whole lot more love to give. And so they adopted two boys. <laughs> Man, it just got me all choked up. Because they, they're, they're caring for those that are unfortunate. So we just have more love to give, more kids. And, and so what's acceptable to God is caring for the unfortunate, orphans and widows and underprivileged. The scripture is filled with instructions to those who name Jesus Christ as their savior, followers of Christ, that we have a responsibility to the unfortunate in our communities. By the way, let me just say this as gently and tenderly as I can, nowhere does it say it's the government's responsibility. It's the church's responsibility and it's the Christian's responsibility. The reason the government does it is because we're not doing what we should. And I'm in awe when I think about the Bread of Life ministry in downtown Poughkeepsie. It was folks from our church that began that in the late 80s. Crisis, uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center, that was Valley Christian Church folks that started that because people have just taken seriously. We need to care for the unfortunate around us in our community. We need to take seriously, not just learn God's word, we need to live it. So care for the unfortunate. Isaiah 117 puts it this way, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the right of widows. And, and for a while, and, and we're real excited about this as a staff, uh, we're working and doing some real strategic planning right now, we appreciate your prayers. Uh, because as a church, we, we want to raise the awareness in our community of the issue of human trafficking. It's an absolute ec- epidemic. There are over 29 million slaves on planet Earth today, human trafficking. 29 million. More slaves right now at the, the time that, that I'm saying this than has ever been on the planet at one time in human history. Our generation and it's something that very few people are aware of. And we feel like this is part of living. This is part of learning to do good and seeking justice. And so we're not going to do something reactionary. We're being very slow and methodical and talking to some agencies and, and some great organizations so we can begin to really move the ball down the field of awareness in our community. Because we just believe we're supposed to live what we learn. We're supposed to live what we learn. In 1 John, in the New Testament, uh, chapter 3, verses 17, it says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees his brother and sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Man, you don't need me to explain what that says. It says exactly what you think it says. Plain English. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Do you know there's, there's real truth in that saying? Our actions speak so loudly that people can't hear what we're saying. And so care for the unfortunate. Notice how much James points to the point of not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word as well. Do something. Help someone else that needs help. And here's the third thing. Real practical as James is saying, just do it. Control your tongue. Control your tongue. Care for the unfortunate. And here's the third practical. Refuse to be corrupted. 
Refuse to be corrupted. Look at the last part of James chapter 1, verse 27. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and then it goes on and says, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. And, and I dug down deep on this, and you know what this literally means, this word corrupt in the New Testament? It means pollute. Don't let the world pollute you that there ought to be a difference. I, I mean, how many of you, you know, in our culture, our society, everybody buys bottled water, right? We were drinking bottled water all the time. I remember we used to have a bottle in our refrigerator growing up that we got right from the sink. All the kids in the family just go in there, put the lid on it, go back in there. How, how many of you, you got bottled water, and it says on the side, right out of the Hudson River, not even purified. How many of you go by that, huh? Of course not. Why? Because the thing's polluted. You, you would never put polluted water in your body, would you? Water that wasn't purified. We want to we wanna read that label, you know, just exactly what the purification was for that water. What about the stuff that we look at? What about the stuff that we think about? What about the, 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 the anger and the bitterness and the resentment that we hold on to in our hearts. And, and James says, refuse to be corrupted. Refuse to let the world pollute your heart. Keep your heart pure. Keep your heart right. And so summing up this, this, the rest of this chapter in, in James chapter one that, that we've just looked at, listening to God's word is important but it's even more important to do it. And, and, and maybe you're, you're kind of new <laughs> to this whole Jesus thing. You're like, all right, I get, but it, it almost sounds like sometimes, you know, it almost sounds like sometimes you're making the Bible like the Bible is God. No, that's not really it. But the Bible tells us who God is. And it's through the scripture that, that, that as we study the scripture and we read the scripture and we allow the scripture to study us, that, that we come to know who Jesus is. Because here's the thing about the Bible. I just want to connect the dots for you. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it, it tells us, so the word, notice it's a capital. It's speaking of a person. The word became human and made his home among us. It's talking about Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. See, that's why it's so important that we spend time in God's word. That's why it's so important that we learn. But more important than just learn, that we live it. It's because this is how we get closer to Jesus. Sometimes I hear people say, man, I wish I was alive at the time when Jesus was alive. You know what? You'd have the same choice that you do right now. Are you gonna learn and listen and live what he said? Or are you gonna ignore him? A lot of people, a lot, they listened, they may even learned, but they didn't live what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. And you know what? A lot of us are like that as well. 
And, and so that's why it's so important that we look at God's word because it's there that we find out who Jesus is. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so I ask you tonight, do you know Jesus? Do you know the word that became flesh? All of this became flesh. That's who Jesus was. He lived it out. He showed us everything that we need to know about God the Father. And, and that's why it's so important that we look into this mirror because it shows us who we are. And then it shows us who he is. And so I think this would be a perfect time just to answer that in your heart right now. Do you know the Father's one and only Son? This is the main way that we get to know him, through the Word, because he was the Word, and he became flesh, and he laid his life down, and he loved you, and he loved me, unfailing love and faithfulness. That's who Jesus was. That's who Jesus is today. And so I want to just bow my head. I just want to bow our heads right now and pray. Because I want everyone to, that, to, that is listening right now to have an opportunity to say, I want to know Jesus, if you've never done that before. Let's pray. Father, Lord, first of all, for some of us, we're just realizing how important it is. Your word is so important because Jesus was your word in the flesh. He became human and made his home among us, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And Father, I pray for every single person in the hearing of my voice right now, Lord, that, that if they've not made that, that step to receive Jesus as their Savior and to turn from their sins and receive forgiveness, because, not because of what we have done or could ever do, but because of what Jesus did as you sent him to live a perfect life, to lay his life down on the cross, to sacrifice himself, to pay the price for my sins and every one of our sins, that all that would receive him would receive forgiveness. And then, Lord, that we would allow that word to change us. That's what it means to put our faith in you. And, and so, Father, I pray for every person that, in the hearing of my voice that hadn't done that, that this would be the moment in their life to receive Christ. Simply by saying, God, forgive me of my sins. I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my savior. And I choose to live for you right now for the rest of my life. Father, for those of us that are Christians, that are followers of Jesus for, for a long time, maybe even a short time, Lord, Help us to remember how important your word is because that's where we see ourselves and that's where we see Jesus. That, that's where we see who you really are and that's how when we learn it and we live it, real change comes. Thank you, Father, that as we walk with you, the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.